Welcome to week five of our Vision and Values series. We are taking six weeks and seven words to try and unpack who we are and why we are here. We've looked at the Son, the Father, the Spirit, at the grace of God, at community. Today we're looking at the kingdom. Next week we're finishing with love. You'll notice probably that we've talked a lot more about values than we have about vision. And that is deliberate. Because we said right at the outset that we are image bearers before we are kingdom bringers. That actually what we do, why we are here, flows out of who we are. It's identity first, activity second, character before gifting. And so, yes, we've spent most of our time, and we'll continue to spend a lot of our time on, on that first bit of value, who we are. But today, we will focus almost exclusively on why we are here. Because we're going to look at the kingdom. We're going to look at the kingdom of God and how it relates to discipleship. Thus far, we have fixed our eyes on Jesus we have reminded ourselves that Jesus reveals the Father to us and the desire of the Father for relationship with his children. We've seen that Jesus ascends to glory that the Holy Spirit might be poured out on us. Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. God presences himself amongst his people through the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's the grace of God that makes all of this possible and we are called for a personal relationship but within the midst of a grace community the church god calls us and restores us for relationship as a body and that body that community that church is called with purpose and so we come to this is it tension maybe it is this tension between the kingdom of god and discipleship. As we read the New Testament, we discover there is this tension in the teaching of Jesus. Jesus calls people to discipleship and teaches on the kingdom. Jesus teaches and models discipleship. Come, follow me, he says in Mark 1. I only do what I see the Father doing, he says in John 5. As was his custom, he does the practices of the disciple. He goes up to the synagogue, he reads the word, he prays, he serves. Whoever wants to be great amongst you must be a servant, he says. No one who looks back is fit for discipleship and the kingdom. Go and make disciples, Jesus says. Jesus models discipleship in following the Father. He calls people to discipleship, follow him. And he teaches on discipleship, how to be a disciple. But he also teaches and models the kingdom of God. He teaches repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. He describes the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, like yeast that works throughout the, the dough, like a prize of great a treasure of great price hidden in a field. He models the kingdom. The, the blind man sees, the deaf hear, the dead are raised. He promises his disciples that they will see even greater outworkings of the kingdom than he has seen. Greater works than I you will do, he says. So we have discipleship on one hand and the kingdom on another. What do we do with that tension? Well, the first thing we need to recognize is that tension is good, not bad. 
I am no engineer. Ask any of my friends. And for some reason, when I was choosing my O-levels, and yes, I'm that old, when I was choosing my O-levels, I chose to do design and technology. I have no idea why I lasted six lessons after which I switched to art. In those six lessons, I did one thing. I completed one project, and it was this. I built a bridge. The task was simple. You are to build a bridge which is as light as possible, but that can carry as much weight as possible. And the aim of this activity was to teach us the difference and the un an understanding of stress and strain. It was to teach us that some uh, um, materials are really strong under compression and some materials are really strong under tension. So we were given balsa wood and cotton. And obviously the balsa wood was strong under compression. If you pushed it, it stayed together. But if you pushed the cotton together, it would just, well, do what cotton does, collapse. But if you pulled the balsa wood, it was likely to break. Whereas if you pulled the cotton, it stayed strong. What a great idea. Unfortunately, I did not understand the difference and my bridge collapsed. What is the point of this story other than to display yet again my incompetence? It's to remind us of this. Not all tension is bad. In fact, some tension is good. And the tension between discipleship and the kingdom is good. When we pull at both ends, we create strength discipleship and the kingdom. Jesus' teaching on discipleship and Jesus' teaching on the kingdom work together, not in opposition. They do not press against each other, they strengthen one another. Discipleship and kingdom in the teaching of Jesus are symbiotic. They work together. They are enabled and equipped by each other. Even more than that, they are synergistic. Together, they bring more than they would just on their own. How is that worked out? Well, we need to remember that Jesus is building his church. When we talked about community, we reminded ourselves that the foundation of our community is the work of Christ, not our characters or our chemistry. It's Christ who forms the church. The work of Christ forms the church. We're saved into community. But Jesus also declares in Matthew 16, I will build my church and the gates of hell, the authority of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus will build his church, his spirit-filled community, his body. Jesus defeated the power of death and the power of hell on the cross and Christ's body on earth, the church, is built by Jesus to carry that victory into every area of life. Jesus builds his church through individuals by calling people to follow him. Sometimes people, scholars have said, oh, Jesus didn't talk a lot about the church. Well, Yes, he does. He calls disciples. He forms community. That is the church. Remember, the word for church, ecclesia, means to gather. And Jesus gathered people to himself to be built up. Discipleship is God's strategy for the fulfillment of his vision, the kingdom. And this is where we need to remind ourselves that discipleship is not an end in itself. 
Discipleship is the strategy. And in that discipleship, all those spiritual disciplines, we so often talk about it. Scripture reading, prayer, serving, gathering, corporate worship, spiritual gifts, all these things are the disciplines we apply within our discipleship, the spiritual disciplines. But we are doing that as part of the church because our vision, the reason we are here, is to bring the kingdom. Now, let's pause for a moment because we can so easily slip into sales mode, can't we? Oh yes, God has formed us together. Yes, God wants relationship, but because he needs this job done. No, let's remind ourselves, God is passionate about relationship and we are hardwired for worship. The first thing we are called to do is worship. Before we get into the kingdom, which we're going to talk about, we're called for worship. John Piper so helpfully reminds us of this foundation when he writes this. Therefore, he says, worship is the goal and the fuel of missions. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Mission is our way of saying the joy of knowing Christ is not private or tribal or national or an ethnic privilege. It is for all. And that's why we go, because we have tasted the joy of worshipping Jesus and we want all the families on earth included. I love that phrase, mission exists because worship doesn't. Remember, when we start talking about the kingdom and bringing the kingdom, we are always doing, always doing so within the context of relationship and worship. Jesus calls the first disciples to be with him to discover that relationship with God. Jesus calls them and through them us to be his apprentices. The word disciple that we use the original Greek word is, is, is very close. It means apprentice. And an apprentice is somebody who comes alongside not just to listen, but to learn. And not just to learn, but to do. The reason a, 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 a young man or a young woman becomes an electrical apprentice or a plumber's apprentice is so they can become an electrician and a plumber. Jesus was an apprentice to his father and became a builder, became a carpenter. So Jesus calls these disciples to be his apprentices, to learn to do what he is going to do. This was the context when Jesus calling disciples apprenticeship. And let's remind ourselves, he called the ordinary and the overlooked. He called those who weren't usually called. He called ordinary people to encounter in him an extraordinary God. He showed them that ordinary men and women in relationship with an extraordinary God really can do all the things that Jesus did. This is discipleship. God's kingdom is the vision. God's kingdom is the goal. God's kingdom is the promise. Scripture promises us that the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Revelation promises us there will be a day when every tongue, every nation, every tribe will worship God the Father. God's kingdom is the vision. Discipleship is the means. Discipleship is the strategy and all that that involves. But we are called. What are we called to do? Why are we here? We are here to bring the kingdom. We need to remember that. 
Because historically in church life, often we have felt we need to build the church. But that's what Jesus does. Jesus builds his church. We are called to actively seek the kingdom. It is tragically possible to build the church and miss the kingdom. We can get caught up in our practices and our protocols, in our structures and our strategies. We can borrow those things from the world, which is not always bad. The world has some good stuff to teach us. But the danger is if we get caught up just in building, if we think we've got to build the church, we can miss the kingdom. But, if we seek the kingdom, if the kingdom of God breaks out in salvation and sanctifi- sanctification and signs and wonders and social action, if the kingdom of God breaks out, the church will always be built. You can build church and not see the kingdom. But if you see the kingdom come, you'll always see the church built because Jesus is building his church. So how do we seek the kingdom? What does that look like? Well, firstly, let's remember this. We seek the kingdom. As we'll see in a minute from Matthew 6, we're encouraged to actively seek the kingdom of God. We're not called to build the kingdom. We're not even called to bring the kingdom, although I love the expression kingdom bringers. We're called to seek it. And you seek something that's already there. You seek something to find it. And you can find it because someone's already placed it there. And when I hear that phrase, seek the kingdom, increasingly I'm beginning to think this. Ah, it's almost as if God is always at work. Oh, but he is. It's almost as if God is already at work in my friends, in my family, in my workplace, in my world. And my role is to seek it out, to make the connection, to see what God is already doing. And when I start to think like that, I begin to understand what Jesus meant when he said, I only do what I see the Father doing. What's Jesus doing? He is seeking the kingdom that's already active. So let's remember as we move on that we are called to seek the kingdom, that God is doing stuff. God is at work. God is always working. He does not slumber or sleep. While we're resting in our beds, God is building his kingdom and we are invited to seek that kingdom. How do we do that? You see, it's so easy, isn't it, to think that, well, it's a nice idea, Simon. And I like all the stuff on church and being vulnerable and gathering. That's, that's great. I can fit that in hour and a half on every other Sunday or whenever. But the kingdom, this sounds like hard work. Aren't we a bit too busy, a bit too stressed, under too much pressure right now to be seeking the kingdom This is where I find Matthew 6 and Matthew 28 so helpful. Let's handle those in the other order. Matthew 28, you know it, 16 to 20. We look at it all the time. Jesus appears to the disciples. says, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I'm surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. Look it up. How does that help us? Well, it helps us when we remember what we've said before, that actually we don't treat the word go as the imperative, we treat the word make disciples as the imperative. It's not go 
and make disciples. It's not add something to your to-do list. It's not add the kingdom to your to-do list. Because remember, we're not being told to teach them what Jesus said. We're told to teach them to obey what Jesus said. And what did Jesus say? You'll do even greater miracles than these. Disciples are people who seek and bring the kingdom. Making disciples is about enabling people to seek and build the kingdom. And that's the imperative. And it's not that we have to go and do it. It's as we go. In the midst of everyday life. Bringing the kingdom, seeking the kingdom, making disciples who seek the kingdom is not meant to be another thing on our to-do list. It's meant to be something, a part of who we are. Part of our identity. Something we do in the midst of real life. Yes, we're under a load of pressure right now, aren't we? There's lots of pressure and conflict and struggle in our world. But in the midst of that, when we start modelling Christ, we're bringing the kingdom. When we offer to pray for friends who are struggling, we're seeking and bringing the kingdom. When we show compassion and mercy and generosity to others, we're seeking and bringing the kingdom, not as another thing to do, but as part of how we are living life. It's as we go. Hang on, you might say, Simon, that makes things worse. You've made my life even busier. It's not even something I can just list and do on a Saturday morning. Now you say it's got to be something of every day. Well, that's where Matthew 6 helps us. What does Matthew 6 tell us? Matthew 6, verse 25. Do not worry. Don't worry about what you'll eat, about what you'll wear, about where you'll live. Because your Father in heaven knows you need all those things. Seek first the kingdom of God and all those things will be added to you. This is why it's so important that we start with God. We start with the Father heart of God. Because then we discover, actually, yes, as we seek the kingdom, God flows in behind and meets our needs. Maybe not always our wants, but always our needs. Our Heavenly Father knows what we need. Why worry, he says. Look at the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. They don't labor or spin. God provides for them. How much more will God, the Father, provide for us, his children? So stop worrying about today. Seek the kingdom today, God says. I'm at work. That's what God is saying. I'm at work. I'm at work in your work and in your home, in your neighborhood, in your school, in your college, in the place you buy coffee, in the shop you buy your groceries. I'm at work there. You just need to slow down long enough to see it, to seek it, to connect with it, to discover whose heart I'm softening for the gospel, to discover who needs a prayer of encouragement, to discover who needs a gift of grace, to discover who needs some generosity. Seek the kingdom. This is God's vision. <laughs> His kingdom breaking out all over the place. So what does it look like? What does the kingdom of God look like? Well, we've used these phrases before, but let me remind you of them. And through this week in the devotion, we'd love you to unpack these together. The kingdom of God can be broken down into four quadrants. Firstly, salvation. The kingdom of God starts with that 
discovery of personal relationship, through that application of grace, through discovering we are children of the living God. The kingdom of God always starts with salvation. The kingdom of God is about sanctification. It's about holiness. It's about growing into who we are in Christ. It's about becoming more like Jesus by the work of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God. The kingdom of God is about signs and wonders. The power of the presence of God breaking in. It's about healing. It's about mercy. It's about compassion. It's about the power of God. It's about the blind seeing, the deaf hearing, the dead being raised. We want to seek the kingdom in power, signs and wonders. And it's about social action. Jesus brought the kingdom of God in who he lifted up out of the dust. Jesus proclaimed in Luke 4 when he opened the prophet Isaiah and read Isaiah 61, today in your hearing this is fulfilled, that he had come to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set free the prisoner. That is the work of the kingdom. That is the work we are called to. The kingdom of God is about justice and social action. It's about an end to racism. It's about an end to injustice and poverty. And we, the people of God, are called to pursue that, to seek that with all our might through our generosity, through what we give, but also through challenging the systems that cause such injustice. This is God's vision. This is why we are here as disciples, as those who follow Jesus, as those who do pray and worship and open scripture and intercede and gather and minister to one another as disciples who are deepening our relationship with God we are called to step into that relationship and through that relationship to bring the kingdom of God everywhere that we are when we are gathered and when we are scattered that is our calling that is why we are here how are you going to do it how am I going to do it how are we going to do that let's dig into that this week where can we bring, where can we seek the kingdom in the everyday of our lives as everyday church? And finally, one more tension when it comes to the kingdom. What John Wimber famously said, the now and not yet of the kingdom. See, Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus taught us to pray, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus brought the power of the kingdom into people's lives and promises that we, his disciples, can do the same. The kingdom of God is now and we have been called to pursue it in faith. But the kingdom of God is not yet. We still lose loved ones to cancer. We still have friends who resist the gospel. Injustice still prospers in our nation and the nations. We still stand at the graveside and weep. We know that there will come a day when there will be no more tears and no more crying. We know there will come a day when the kingdom of God will fully come. We know the kingdom of God has come now because Jesus tells us, but we also know the kingdom of God is not yet. 
We know that we can have a relationship with God now, but Paul tells us that there will also come a day when we'll be fully known and be known fully. We know that we can see Jesus now and hear his voice now, but also Paul tells us that we see as in a mirror dimly. There is a, a nowness to the kingdom in our relationship. There is a not yetness, if that's a word. This is the tension, the now and the not yet. And that can be hard sometimes. That's why we need community. That's why we need grace. That's why we need vulnerability. That's why we need the Holy Spirit's presence in our very midst. That's why we need to remember that our Father loves us and delights in us. That's why we need to know that Jesus is for us. And when what is going on now looks like he isn't, we can look to the cross and see that he is. Because the kingdom of God is now and not yet. We are image bearers. But we are also kingdom bringers, kingdom seekers. That's who we are, that's who, why we are here. We work out our faith in tension. The tension of discipleship, being disciples, and not getting caught in that, remembering to lift our heads and see we're also doing that, that we'll be more effective in God's kingdom. The tension of the now and the not yet of that kingdom. But our vision is clear. Seek first the kingdom of God, we're told, and everything else will be added unto you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for our calling. We thank you, call us for a relationship, but you also call us to see the kingdom break out. Lord, we pray for our neighborhood, for our nation and the nations. We pray with increasing measure over coming days and weeks and months your kingdom would break out and we would be there to play our part within it. Thank you, Lord. Amen.